Hi, I'm Chris Lockhart. Welcome to another episode of Consultants Saying Things. Uh, this is the one about going analog. Um, so I'm joined today by uh, Shashi Shramali, who I think you just saw there pop up in, in the video, and uh, Phil Yanoff, who's also with me today. Uh, Bill is not with us today, uh, but that's okay. He's here in spirit. Um, so basically, there's been some uh, talk in the news. There's been some news stories about, you know, for example, I think last week, you know, Amazon partnered with Sears uh, to actually, uh, you know, cross-brand some stuff and 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 have a brick-and-mortar presence. Uh, I know that they've done uh, previous uh, efforts with Macy's and some other retailers. And so, you know, we wanted to sort of take a look at that and ask the question, you know, you know, is is this a trend? Is this a blip? Is this a fad? What does this mean? What are some of the implications? So. Um, guys, you know, first of all, thanks for joining. Uh, I think I kind of want to open it up and say, you know, you know what, what was your initial take on this? I mean, you know, Amazon, why do they need Sears? I, I might get why Sears needs Amazon, but why does Amazon need a brick and mortar presence? Man, I hope Shashi's got an answer to that. Um, hey, it, you know, and I think that one of the things that we see certainly is that Amazon is running its experiments in the real world, right? And they have figured out, obviously, and we probably going to come back to this. They've obviously figured out how to build a company, but they are also going to put these tendrils out into the things that happen in the real world. The thing I like about this with the tires bit is that thing of, well, we have to partner with someone else who can scale for the outside stuff. And Amazon, this is really kind of what they've done all along, right? I mean, they built a machine that allowed you to do commerce. And I mean, one of the many things that they've done, but they built a machine that allows you to do commerce. And then they said, you know what? We can't come and stock all of this stuff. It can't just be books and movies and whatnot. We got to let other people do other things. And that's why it's this enormous marketplace. They've essentially partnered with you. You know, you could be selling something on Amazon and it just makes them bigger. Yeah, for I could sell this shirt, for example. Absolutely. Yeah. Chicken of the walk. I don't get it, but go Chicken ahead. Of the walk. Yeah, absolutely. Shasha, what do you think? Well, I mean, what 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 does this matter? Why does Amazon need to do this? So I think they are, uh, you know, they're trying to find the right balance. Um, they entered the market. We were on one end of the spectrum where everything was physical. Any kind of retail product you can think of, you used to go to a store and buy that. But when you think about what Amazon did. It essentially took us to a completely different, you know, end where uh, you know everything was virtual. You see, you buy, but there are certain set of product probably they have realized that cannot be sold virtually. So they are trying to find the right balance through either a buying stores like the acquisition of Whole Foods or building partnership with companies like Sears, where they sell services, they sell the product, but still they provide platform for individuals who can go there, touch and feel. And essentially buy the product so as i totally agree with what phil said it's an experiment they are doing in the real world that's the only way they can see whether it will be successful or failure partnership is a perfect way to do that that way they don't you know spend billions of dollars in some doing something of their own uh, in my mind it's they're still trying to figure out what is the right balance 
Yeah, I mean, so in terms of it being an experiment, right? Uh, you know, is that how we would term their their move with uh, Whole Foods? I mean, because that's a pretty expensive experiment, right? To say like, hey, we're going to do groceries. I mean, I, look, I get it. Like selling a banana over the internet, right? Uh, maybe that's not going to work uh, for a variety of reasons. Uh, but you know, I can see the banana. I'm thinking of avocados. I was buying avocados over the weekend, right? And you got to touch the avocado to you know get the right mushiness in the avocado right to to have the right avocado so i i understand why like that that tactile experience makes sense but tires i mean doesn't discount tire do this already like you just buy tires off the internet right and oh go to you know here they, they ship them to your house and you're ready to go or is this is this something for example of you know that need to have the combination experience right so yes i bought tires on the internet but i need to go to some place and have an expert put them on Exactly. Not everybody is comfortable. I, I haven't looked at the statistics, but I'm assuming probably more than 60, 70% of people are not comfortable putting tires on their own. I myself am not an expert, but I would be happy to buy cheaper uh, tires online, have them shipped to a local store and go and get that fixed. So I get the price benefit, but at the same time, I get to work with an expert who can provide some sort of warranty. The services business is a completely different ball game than actual products which you sell. I think it might be something else too. I mean, I might buy tires online because they're cheaper, but it might just be that the local guy doesn't stock the ones that I want. You know, and of course that might also inflate the price. But the point being that I might have to get, I might want tires or specific tires and you know, not everybody has those things or can get them for me. Now, putting tires on your own car, you can't do that. You can't put tire. I mean, that's some pretty specialized equipment. Uh, you know, putting tires on wheels and balancing and all that kind of stuff. So I don't, I don't think that's, that is something that is pretty clearly something that not most people are going to do. And if they knew that they had a clear, easy path to, I can buy them online and, and Sears will take care of putting them on. That's pretty good too. And Sears is scaled, right? They're already at scale. But, but um, Chris, I think you were hitting the right point initially. They're buying, um, Amazon buying Whole Foods was not an experiment. That's a well thought through plan where they want to re, you know, channel, uh, you know, physical channel like Whole Foods, where not only they can do the grocery stuff, but at the, you know, deliver grocery at a faster place to the local area. But at the same time, that gives them a platform to open their pharmacy business. They were getting in big time into pharmacy right now. So that will serve that as a channel. It's a well thought out plan. Yeah. Whereas the one with this is more experiment. But let me interrupt you right there, right, before we go on, because the pharmacy thing, right? Let's talk about that for a second, because, I mean, clearly in the healthcare space, just if, if you were a regular player in the healthcare space, traditional, not like a disruptor or something, but just that there's been there's been consolidation going on. You have companies that are traditionally providers becoming payers and the other way around and both of them becoming, you know, um, uh, you know, actual like pharma uh you know, uh, locations. I'm thinking like United, United Healthcare and Minute Clinic. I'm thinking, you know, all these different things, right? And um, so, so that alone, there's been a lot going on. But then you add in this idea that <clears throat> maybe there's a supply chain piece of this that Amazon's an expert in, and they're going to get into the pharma space. So, I mean, now we've just expanded. You know, the idea of going brick and mortar is more than Amazon offering the stuff they already sell in a brick and mortar location, or buying into an entire industry like grocery and, and going whole hog there. Now we're also dealing with this, you know, there's formulation involved. There's all, all this regulation involved with pharma. I mean, 
What what is the incentive for a digital company to get into that space? It's it's a it's a difficult question to answer, but but I would say that uh, you got to look at it from a completely different segment. And you are right, like not many many CVS acquiring uh, Express Script and Aetna being acquired by CVS. That's all reaction to what Amazon getting the um, two two steps of Amazon. One is Amazon getting into the you know, prescription drug space, and then Amazon buying the Whole Foods. In reaction to that, you had CVS basically trying to uh, CVS buying Aetna and Express Script being bought over by this one. So I but, think. But wait a second. But wait a second. Amazon's not even in the pharma space yet. So you're telling me that the experience of just what they're doing with Whole Foods in one industry caused an entirely different industry to say, oh, we better do something before they move into our space. It's, it's, it's happening. It's not only that. It's the reaction to JP Morgan, Berkshire Hathaway, and Amazon uh, announcing that big deal where they are saying, hey, I'm not entering the industry. I'm going to take care of my own employees, which is about a million member. Guess what? There are many local health plans which have less than a million or about a million uh, members. So if they can make it successful, within no time, all these companies would be disrupted. So all this is reaction to that, uh, and it's rightly so. So they are challenging the status quo, uh, in, in my view. So it's ab absolutely, I, I see something happening out there. Nobody knows what is the answer, because healthcare is a very complex problem to solve. All of us know. Uh, will Amazon, JP Morgan, and Berkshire would be successful? Will depend a lot on how they build their provider network relationship. Uh, not an easy problem to solve, and none of them have an experience around that. Yes, they are great at customer experience. Um, yes, they understand their consumers very well. Yes, they understand the underwriting and analysis piece of it because Berkshire is into property uh, insurance business as well. And JP Morgan has deep financial expertise around that. But can they uh, do something with their provider relationship? Uh, that's what experts in the industry don't agree to. We'll see what happens. I mean, so, I mean, you just, you talked about the, the golden word there, right? The experience. I mean, Phil, is there something here with, you know, the interaction with people that actually matters in terms of, uh, you know, a virtual or digital company needing a physical presence? Well, I mean, I, I think we've all come, come to the idea that, you know, and if you think about the irony of this, that Amazon is typically we regard as excellent at customer service, even though we never see them, we never talk to them, right? We don't have any, but the thing is, they know how to keep us informed. They know how to keep things coming through to us. So, uh, you know, I think there's something here, but they want to, you know, they want they want to be a real boy. It's like uh, Geppetto and <laughs> Pinocchio. They want to be a real boy, right? They got to be out in the real world, touching things. So, exactly. I was just gonna say, like, so is the implication then that, you know, if you're Amazon, you can't be a real company until you have a, a building with people. Yeah. In it. I don't. I mean, you know, I don't. I don't think they sit around and think that. I think my the point on this is they can go out and affect more things. They can go out and be. They it, to me, it's more tendrils in your life. There's more things they can be doing, and for them, they you know they want to make sure that they're coming up with novel ways to continue to uh, put themselves into what you do every day so that they become that brand you can't live without. Look, nope, absolutely. Like, and they are working backwards. Um, by being incremental, they had to do a lot of physical investment. Uh, so they started off with the virtual world, which is relatively easier. But they have realized that to build like even next level of relationship, they need to go physical. 
for example, Barnes and Nobles, right? You know, my daughter loves to go to Barnes and Nobles. They'll be going out of business pretty soon. Um, the way Amazon is ramping up. Is that but a prediction? I, I want to write that down. Is that a prediction? Shashi said. I, I'm absolutely, you know, I yeah, don't know how to sustain. Because like, what, people, what, people, what people do is over there, they go there, they take a picture of uh, the books, which they want to buy, and they go and buy in Amazon if they're getting it at a lesser price. So with brick and mortar stores selling it, um, it's not sustainable. It okay. be but there's, there's another example of that to completely switch gears, right? Best Buy, right? For a long time, you know, Circuit City went away, CompUSA went away, all these companies, right? And it was like, oh, Amazon, and, and they're taking over that, that space. Best Buy was on the precipice there for a while, but they've had somewhat of a turnaround, right? And for a long time, people were criticizing them as, you know, that's the, the, the see and buy, right, location. You go in, you look at the TV or whatever it is, and then you go buy it somewhere else. And, yeah. and yet, you know, they've, they've moved through that to the point now where they're offering something or they're, they're delivering something of value that is a in-person experience that you don't get just by buying it off the internet. So, I mean, is that a strategy for these companies to survive? Well, I think you, it's a great point. Again, one more great point you raise. If you uh, I, I actually do this all day. So you had Best Buy, which was completely physical, right? Then Amazon came, which is on the other end of the spectrum, they made completely virtual, but Best Buy was able to survive that threat. So probably Amazon has realized that they are losing some market share where even Best Buy was able to survive with that kind of threat, right? So now they are coming back and they want to tap into that market and give competition to even Best Buy because experience is when I enter into Best Buy, I see so many electronics, they have set up theaters and stuff like that, which I go sit and experience. And then, you know, I'd rather with the right price, I would buy it at Best Buy. Interesting. Phil, does this, does this augur then a, a renaissance for local physical retailers? <laughs> was that movie where all restaurants were Taco Bell? You know, in the end, that's the way it becomes. Will all, uh, will all retail be Amazon? I don't, I don't know where that is, but, you know, but it clearly serves a function. And, you know, the thing about it is if you are Amazon, you can go through and you can evaluate it category by category. Where's the money? Where's the fat? We want some piece of that, right? You know, Amazon decided they wanted to be in, you know, they wanted to go dramatically into pet business, right? That's a multi-billion dollar business. And they went from nothing to, they. What I think they're expecting to have something like 16% market share or something like that. I mean, this is something that people bought someplace else before, right? If they can do this category by category. So then the questions for that one is, so when do they make the transition for that? When do they establish some sort of partnership where they're either delivering meds or they're delivering other tools or other things you might use in part of your pet care business? Where they need to have a physical location, they will. When they don't, it's great. Their physical location is your stoop. Right. I mean, uh, I mean, the, the biggest thing, you know, even I can go into Best Buy and, uh, you know, get all the experience, but still the same product I can go and buy in Amazon. So what companies like Best Buy and few others had to do was price match. Um, so the, the, that was their retaliation strategy in terms of Amazon price threat. Um, so it's you got to look. I mean, holistically, you got to look at which product segment you are talking about. And in that particular segment, if people are very happy buying it virtually without getting in the stores, then Amazon is a champion at that. But there is a segment of product where still people want to go in. For example, books. 
whether it's uh, you know um, getting into electronics buying and similar other like grocery people are still not comfortable buying it online that's why they had to dial back in and, and figure it out yeah i mean look you know when i was in i was in college so this is in the 90s now back you know in the past millennium um there, i was in boston right and i had my dial-up modem and i could i could dial up hannaford's grocery store and order groceries this was like in the mid to late 90s right and yet here we are 20 years later and it's still sort of like do i really want to buy avocados online probably not right so i get that there are some categories like that where like i need to touch and feel or maybe even like some electronics right i need to see the clarity of the television i'm not going to rely on amazon's rating system to, to make that determination but there's other things right it didn't work for toys and right. i gotta tell you i mean we know the toys r us story but i gotta i gotta tell you you know our personal experience we have four kids our personal experience is we prefer the toys r us experience because the right. kids go in and they see things and they touch them and you know you go into any toys r us even in its heyday and shit was pulled all out and on the floor anyway right and kids were playing with this stuff right and they got to you know and and driving those you, know, you go back to the back corner where they had the bicycles and the the power wheels and the kids could get in all this stuff so there was a a, a real tangible tactile experience that they had with that now as a as a parent buying toys for a kid right you know amazon was was easier right you had you know the prime experience and you had the return policy and the shipping and all these different things right and plus as phil mentioned earlier the marketplace opened things up dramatically from that perspective and you could get things that toys r us didn't carry etc but um I, I don't quite um toys r us has other problems as a company um right that that goes beyond amazon but I, i'm not sure that it works for every category i guess is what i'm getting yeah. exactly i mean 100 so if you see right, you got to break that whole customer journey into multiple phases. The first phase of it is um, when they are about to choose something. During that phase, for products like toys and many others, I don't think Amazon is a good place because it's like virtual. You see some options, but again, kids wants to play with the toy, how they interact with that. I want to see the book. I want to see five other books. I want to flip the pages and see some of the content, you know, stuff like that. So that's like more of an experience. Second part of it is buying. Customers were very smart. So they went into these stores, they experienced those things, right, in the store. But when it came to buying, they went to Amazon and bought the same product over there. They got the most of the best of both the worlds. So Amazon probably is trying to bring that experience in where they own the experience and you can walk in the store. They decide how you experience product. Anyway, buying, most of the people probably do it on Amazon anyways. So, I mean, look, it's not just Amazon, right? It's, uh, I mean, I, I brought up the example, you know, earlier of uh, Apple, you know, they sort of have, you know, the, the iPay segment and they're competing in, in that space with digital payments. And then they're like, ah, you know what we need? We need a plastic card. We need to go into business now with Goldman Sachs and partner with them to produce an actual card, right? That uh, people can put in their wallet, their physical wallet in their pocket which seems like an odd choice. I mean, Phil, you know, they've got they've got the genius bar, right? And and all that is this is this a lesson that Apple has learned like we need we need to have that physical presence as well. We need to be physically in somebody's pocket in addition to being, you know, they're in the front pocket with the phone, right? And they're in the back pocket with the the credit card. 
The people are not ready yet. Sorry, go ahead, Phil. Yeah, no, I, you know, I'm. I think that what Apple figured out is just not as many people will get an Apple tattoo as Harley Davidson owners will get a Harley Davidson tattoo. So in this case, it was just better to go ahead and get the card. Um, you know, that's brand affinity is what I think we're looking at right there. I mean, I, I'm not sure how much help that is or what they hope to get out of that over the long haul. But if you are an Apple loyalist, I mean, if you love that brand and someone puts that card up, uh, you know, you, you've already shown that you don't have price sensitivity. So, you know, you're not a value seeking consumer. Um, you know, you're looking for premium product. And if it delivers that experience, then people will like it. It'll be congruent with what they expect from Apple. All right. So, okay. So, so given these changes, some of the ones that we've talked about, right? So, you know, and, and there are other examples, right? Vistaprint has a physical location. I mentioned, I think, Warby Parker, right? You know, the eyeglasses, you buy them online, but they have physical locations as well, right? There are other examples of this sort of, which I think is maybe a trend or a, a inflection point in the overall digital transformation of all these enterprises. But so great, it's happening, wonderful. What does it actually mean then for a company that is entirely virtual um, or a company that's entirely analog, right? We've talked about digital transformations before. I'm, an, I'm a completely analog, no digital footprint company. I have to transform, I'm going through all this transformation. Do I change my strategy based on some of this news that's coming out? Or if, if, I'm, if I'm an IT manager or director or a CTO in one of these organizations that's entirely physical, do I alter what I'm trying to do based on this? That's open to anybody. No, right, and I'm not sure that I know the answer to that, but I, I was sitting thinking, you know, as we talked about before, the Toys R Us problem was that, you know, you had this company saddled with this debt that they couldn't possibly get out from under, right? They couldn't figure out how to make that work. But if that were a business that where they had good, you know, the distribution was working, all of that stuff was right, I mean, that would have been a perfect play for an Amazon to buy a brand like that. They just couldn't afford to buy it because of the debt in there, right? I mean, so to your point, so what does this mean? I think that this might mean that because there is a threat from some companies coming in and doing this kind of thing, that this might be the time where, you know, in for certain businesses, this makes sense for them to go physical because it might get cheaper for them to go out and acquire that network of whatever it is. And I don't want to say it's distribution because I don't think that's it. You know, Amazon doesn't need a better distribution network. It needed a service network. And that's why it was using Sears. But if you look at Sears, and again, I don't know what the terms of that deal might have been. I mean, those are stores with plenty of retail space as well inside them, right? And yeah. understocked. So, you know, there, there might be some other opportunity where they do something else with them. So let's let's start off with, first of all, the completely analog company who provides physical services and are completely physical, right? They don't do not have any digital presence. So in my mind, I think they have a few options. One of them is look at something like Amazon or the other um, e-commerce company where they can partner with and leverage that as a channel to drive experience and bring in more traffic to provide the physical services what they have. That's option number one. Second option, what they have is they need to look at defining an experience of looking at the overall journey and looking at defining experience, your shopping experience, information gathering experience that can be done online. So they may provide, you know, digital channels for getting those. And the second part of it, when it comes to buying, they still have to provide the physical. So they got to find that 
find balance between them. That's for analog company. Now, if you go to completely digital company, what probably they need to look at it as, you know, rather than investing in, you know, buying, they may not have deep pockets. So instead of buying companies, what they need to focus on is building on partnership with other smaller retail, 100% physical company who can provide those services, who can provide those products and own that end-to-end -end experience. So the digital experience is owned by the completely digital experience, uh, digital firms, and then physical experience is owned by brick and mortar store. And they have like seamless omni-channel experience um, and stronger partnership. Oh, I love the way that goes, but, I'm, but I'm, I think that's much harder to execute than you oh, yeah. admit to, right? I mean, because if we think about how does Amazon deliver the service that it does, it's through incredible automation. It's not that it's through, it's not super labor intensive, right? Their, their job is to try to get all the labor back out of that. But if I'm going to service, that's a person sitting there, a smiling face delivering, you know, my tires correctly installed on my car, right? And whether it's tires, brakes, whatever. But uh, I think that that's tougher because those, those that, Network may be deployed, but it may not deliver the same quality level or the same experience level that the digital brand does. So, so is this is this a case then of of uh, focus on core competency? So, for example, right, you know, Amazon's like, you know, we've got the data, we've we've got the platforms, we've got the digital presence, we have we own a large part of the cloud segment in terms of all of that operations. We have squeezed every last piece of efficiency out of the supply chain. We've got the ops down, right? We've got all this stuff. What we don't have and what we would have to go invest and build is, you know, the Sears physical presence location in every aging shopping mall and, you know, uh, retail plaza, right? In in every town in the country. Um, and we don't have that, right? And, and we can get that um, as you know, when they tried to move in, when they're moving into grocery, they're like, well, we're going to acquire it just outright by buying Whole Foods. But, you know, we're not really in the tire business, um, but, you know, we're not really in this and, you know, this last mile piece. Maybe that's what it is. Is it a last mile thing or is it a core competency thing? I mean, because I, I can see I can see that argument in, in, in either way. And by the way, those two things are not going to work equally well for every company that tries to do this. Right. Very well said. I think I couldn't have articulated it better. It's the last mile thing. It's the last mile thing. And that is not the Amazon's core capabilities. So instead of going and building that capability, why not partner with somebody who is already struggling and who will be willing to partner with you? So they don't see you as a threat. They see you as a way to survive. So I, I think that's it's it's based both on that. To your question, Phil, when you mentioned that this is really very harder thing to do, Phil, Phil, if it was easy, then everybody would have done this. Uh -huh. The fact that it's hard, and if you can make it successful, then it's a barriers to entry, and not, nobody else will be able to master that. So, so Shashi, then you, you're going to propose at your consulting company to spin up a last mile practice area? 100%. Um, so it's like our core capabilities. Yeah, right, exactly. Look, look inside what you are good at, and then see if you can deliver what's just required to do the last mile services. If not, then go and partner. If you can, then invest in it. Okay. So, all right. So we've talked about the last mile, core competency. I know we touched on experience a little bit. You know, Phil, how much of this is, you know, is really still about, is about people and, and customer experience being king, right? Like I, I don't trust this product until I talk to somebody uh, that knows something about it. I mean, 
Well, I think if you're going to get partner, you have to be able to, you have to be able to trust that you're going to develop a relationship with that partner and that that partner can continue to deliver on your brand promise, whatever that brand promise is. Right. So I think it, these, there will be missteps here. There probably have been. We just haven't brought them to mind. But there will be missteps here, and they're just going to have to figure that out. But I, obviously, you know, this is kind of the way Amazon runs its experiments. It goes off and says, well, let's go figure out if we can make this work. And if we can, we'll do a whole lot more of these, or we'll do them in other areas. So, yeah. I mean, on that topic, though, like I know, Phil, you, you run a, a, a series of uh, learning lunches and, and, and uh, talks and things where you interact with a lot of startup folks or people that are, have a startup mentality, are they thinking anything about this or are they like, I just got to get my app out in the, in the, in the, the iTunes store as soon as possible. What, what's the startup angle here? I think for startups, I think you see both sides of this. What, what a startup tends to think though, where I see the mistake is they tend to think that if I had the app, this problem goes away. I mean, I can solve this problem for a whole bunch of people, but what they don't take into account, it's the behavioral change that you have to be able to accomplish, right? So if there's a service element, you have to deliver service. If you need people to do something new that they've never done before, they have to be able to go down that new path. I think that's a whole lot more challenging. Again, this is part of the genius of what these guys are doing. Let's start with somebody who's already competently in the in that space. Yeah, right. We recently, my firm's recently ran a voice of member survey, which we are going to publish very soon. What we realized was building digital capabilities is relatively easier job. And Phil, as you mentioned, adoption is the big challenge. Uh, you know, educating and getting people to use those digital channel and capabilities, it's very, very difficult. Like all the insurance companies have invested big time into all the digital stuff, but there are people who are not even aware that those digital apps and stuff like that, whether they need it, they probably don't need it. I don't need my insurance company to be my health uh, manager, right? just process my claims transaction and I'm good with that. So companies are still struggling for, with the adoption and not with the build-up. So I hesitate to say this, but are we dealing with a people problem here? Is this- Always, always. You didn't really hesitate. You just emphasized it. <laughs> I gotta work it in, right? Every every talk. All right. All right, so this is, this is, I think this is an interesting topic. Obviously there's a lot more to say on this, but I mean, parting thoughts, guys, you know, you know what, what do we think about in terms of, you know, what does this mean for a company today that's in the midst of a transformation? What does this mean for, you know, a, an individual in this, in these companies thinking these problems through? Um, you know, I think we talked about the analog company, you know, is, is it about partnership, the digital company? Is it about that physical experience? What are, what are some parting thoughts here to, to take away? Well, I think that when Amazon is doing this, they see opportunity and they're pursuing it. And if you are someone who's at the scale of an Amazon or nearby, right, uh, then you might think of this as an opportunity. I think smaller companies are going to do this as threat mitigation. They ought to be thinking about what are the opportunities for someone else to jump in this space? Where can we build a chain that we didn't otherwise have? Um, and again, to mitigate the threat of someone else coming in and doing it. I think each, whether it's small or the big firm, they need to look at the member experience from end-to-end -end perspective, and not only just the experience, from the back-end experience as well around supply chain, and see which mile of that entire experience they are good at, which mile of that experience they have core capabilities to deliver, 
and then for the mines for which they don't have capability either they go ahead and build that if they can they can invest or search for the partnership around that they got to look at holistically end to end experience and figure out what they are good at and build relationship and partnership to thrive so it's an opportunity for people um who are willing to invest in this uh, and it's a threat for a company who still are trying to justify that our way of doing things is the only way to do it it's a threat to them and they will be out very soon yeah interesting you know that that point you just made i mean my my perspective on this as a takeaway is you know these these digital companies i mean obviously that's that's not a fad right i mean it's going to continue but i mean i think there's a certain cockiness element right to some some of these firms where it's like well you know the future is all you know augmented reality and i don't have to worry about you know the physical presence or the the human interaction anymore and um you know i i i think that's obviously not true right people are people people like uh that that interaction and 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 touching things and i don't, I don't think that's going to change anytime soon so um so i i think this is this is good stuff i think I, so now i turn it over sort of to the audience the people you've stuck through you know this long i, I kind of ask your your thoughts on this and, and frankly you know any of these topics and you know, i encourage you to go back and look at some of the previous episodes that we recorded we talked about digital transformation um we talked about disruption we talked about some other things i think you know I, i'd be curious to know if people are actually interested in these topics um and certainly if there are other topics that are of interest to to the audience we'd love to hear it and actually knowing full well that we're not the experts on all of this stuff um you know we, why don't you join us come on come on and 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 talk with us so thanks guys thanks phil thanks shashi appreciate it uh thanks bill in absentia right we'll uh we'll get him on for the next next topic um so this is uh consultant saying things this was episode 3 Hope you enjoyed it, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks, man.